When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. That's Eric Mulher. And back from well we don't know where he was tim what's going on man you're back you're alive <laughs> yeah man uh, i am here and uh i am ready to get back into it man uh, it's been too long so uh let's make this one a good one it has been too long man i mean eric's back is just fucking hurting from having to carry this show because i'm you know i stink so. <laughs> yeah yeah eric what's going on with you man Oh, not not much. Just uh, you know, just nursing the sore back. Yeah, we're, we're doing all right. we're doing all right over here. Stop it! All right. So this week for our listeners, uh, we covered uh, some fall from graces the last couple of weeks, and now that Timmy's back, we're gonna we're uh, you know we've got enough people on the show now. We're gonna do a little bit of uh, quarterback carousels. Since honestly, this is about as hard to keep up with as you know just about anything I can think of. There's so many people transferring constantly it's it's gotten out of control it's nuts man you gotta get a you gotta get a a cheat sheet or something so we're gonna do this basically two rounds boys i'm gonna cover the sec eric will go over the big 12 tim since you're just back you're gonna hit us with the acc and then uh, me and eric will round out with big 10 and pack 12 and then we'll do that for a second round and then uh, we'll talk about some homeless guys and you know, any other notable transfers that weren't picked up in the first couple of rounds. So with that, uh, I'm going to go a little bit out of order here, Eric, and I'm going to hit you with the big 12 first. So notable transfers, round one, quarterback position, big 12. Give it to me. So, I mean, the biggest one obviously is uh, what's going on with Oklahoma, uh, because they had not one starting quarterback, but two transfer out. So just talking about those guys first uh, and, you know, the I think both of these guys will come up later on in the show, but I'm not sure, but we'll talk about them anyways. Um, So Caleb Williams is one. Uh, He followed Lincoln Riley to USC, obviously. So he was, uh, he threw for 1900 yards, 21 touchdowns, four picks. He, you know, came in uh, Red River game, did well, had a pretty decent second half of the season. And he was probably, if you're talking about just transfer players, he was probably the most sought after player in the transfer portal by a wide margin just because his skill level and how much time he's got left before he's draft eligible. Uh, the other guy is a show favorite, Dr. Thunder himself, who lost that starting job despite completing 74% of his passes and throwing for almost 1,500 yards. He had some kind of inconsistent stretches and wasn't really pushing the ball down the field like you're used to seeing Oklahoma do. 
Uh, so he lost his job. He was actually the first one to transfer. But it, it's kind of weird because sort of the the narrative about his season that's out there is that he was just got awful, and he really wasn't. He was just oh, trust me, of, I've got some more on him later. <laughs> I've got yeah, he, he was just he was more towards like slightly above average, which you know against the backdrop of what Oklahoma quarterbacks have done the last five or six years probably does seem awful. But uh, he moved on to South Carolina, where I. I'll keep my opinions to to myself. Until yeah, you can. Yeah, I, I've actually got uh, a little bit of a segment, you know, mini segment for this whole uh, Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams kind of nonsense mm-hmm. that went down at Oklahoma. So yeah, yeah. we can we can uh, touch on that a little bit more when we hit South Carolina and probably USC later. Can we just talk about how big of a kick in the junk it is for Oklahoma to lose both of those guys? <laughs> and we let them off the hook. Not great, Bob. Yeah, wouldn't call it great. <laughs> well, I don't know that it's really a huge kick in the junk, man. You kidding me? You kidding me? Well, fuck it. All right, we're going to do this now? Okay, we'll do it now. That's fine. We can just go off script here. Spencer Rattler did not deserve to lose the job, first and foremost. His fucking stats are really good. I mean, he had 75% of his passes completed, and they benched him. Caleb Williams comes in, and he sets the world on fire for the second half of the Texas game. And then the three games after that, which, by the way, they played Kansas, TCU. Uh, who was the other one? Somebody shitty. I, I think it was Texas Tech. And they almost lost yes. the Kansas game, by the way. Yeah, they almost lost to Kansas and Texas Tech. You're right. So after that, they played Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State in those games. He was very, very pedestrian. Okay. So, yeah, great. He can come in and set the world on fire against a Texas team that is completely gassed and their defense is bad. And clearly they weren't very good. They finished five and seven. And then he beats up on three teams who had losing seasons. Two of those teams got coaches fired. And then he meets some decent teams on the back end and looks really pedestrian. So I don't know that it's a huge loss. You know, I mean, they've got plenty of, I mean, when's the last time an Oklahoma quarterback didn't just light up statistically the rest of the Big 12? Well, I'm saying it's a big loss because at the beginning of the year, you know, because you they have both Sp- left. Spencer, yeah, you have Spencer Rattler, and sitting behind him, you have you know a five-star kid that was highly touted coming in, but you don't really know what he's got. So if Spencer Rattler stays status quo and lights it up, maybe Caleb Williams transfers at the end of the year to get a chance somewhere, and you still have you know Doctor Thunder sitting there leading your team this year, but. They're in the scenario now where both of those guys are gone, and who the who the hell do they have now? That's what I'm saying is it's kicking the junk. Yeah, well, I think they were going to lose Rattler after this season, anyways, because if he played well, he was going to go to the draft. If he didn't play well, he was going to transfer, like like happen. But right, and I guess that's my point. At, at the beginning of the year, they were you know presumably right. going to wind up with one of those guys. Right? For this no, you're right. Year. They they 100 expected to have one, at least one of them. Well, I'm sure they 100 percent expected to have their fucking coach too. <laughs> you know? Fair. Yeah. So true. I mean that you know it's a reset button for them, but it's not like they're going to really fall off. I mean, they didn't win the they're Big not. Twelve last year anyway, so I don't think it's that big of a kick in the junk, personally. Well, going forward for Oklahoma, since we talked about the guys going out, I will talk about the guy coming in. So they, after they lost both guys who who started games for them this past year uh, with a new coach, could be a, a pretty bad situation. And luckily for them, they landed Dylan Gabriel, uh, transferred in from UCF, 
who for about a day or day and a half, I think was committed to you. I want to say UCLA, correct? Does that sound right? Yeah, that's correct. He had, he actually, um, he didn't play much this past year because he broke his collarbone in the third or fourth game of the season, but he still managed to throw for 800 yards in those three games, nine touchdowns, three picks. He had a, a 158 passer rating. But between 2019 and 2020, he put up 7,000 yards and 60 touchdowns. You kidding me? So I, I think, yeah, I think he'll do okay. I, I, I don't think it's too wild to suggest that he'll be just as good as either of the other two guys who left were last year, if not better. Like that's not a, that's not a stretch for me. So that's, that's uh, for me, that's the biggest quarterback carousel happening uh, in the Big 12. All right. Well. Yeah, I would have to agree that uh, there are some, you know, a couple of other notables, but uh, we'll get to those later. So moving over to the SEC. Now, since we just talked about Spencer Rattler, I think that he's probably the most impactful guy. So that's who I'm going to really talk about um, going to South Carolina. So Rattler, uh, in two seasons, uh, his freshman year, he was superb. I mean, he completed 67% of his passes. 3,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, seven picks, 172 rating. I mean, he was really good. And then (laughs) inexplicably, because of, you know, one bad half, they just take him out and don't put him back in. And the reason he shouldn't have gotten benched at Oklahoma is he would have lit up, you know, he would have lit the fucking world on fire against those three garbage teams after that. You know, I mean, it's just, he had 1,484 yards, 11 touchdowns, five picks, 155 rating, 75% of his passes completed. So ultimately South Carolina, their God, their quarterback room last year was a fucking disaster. We suck combined between Luke Doty, Jason Brown and Zeb Nolan last year, 56% completion, 2375 yards, 20 touchdowns, 10 picks. So to me, the did, fact that they the, did the you say fifty six percent, fifty six percent complete? Yeah, gross. Yeah, it's oh, bad. Goodness. So I mean, the fact they won seven games with that caliber of QB play is pretty remarkable to me. So I think that's a major upgrade getting Rattler right out of the gate. He should instantly boost at least, you know, the amount of yardage and completions and touchdowns and that kind of stuff. So I feel like that's probably the most impactful transfer into the SEC, you know, because the SEC is pretty wide open this year outside of, you know, what we expect Georgia to do again. But Tennessee. We think they'll be okay. Court, you know, Florida's got a lot of quarterback questions. I mean, Kentucky, they're maybe pretty good again, but ultimately it's pretty wide open behind Georgia. So be really yeah, interesting I think to him see. Going to, I think him going to South Carolina is, the for me, that seems like just the, the single biggest upgrade at a position via the transfer portal that I can think of right offhand. Well, we think so, but... He's also never faced SEC defenses, you know. <laughs> He's never faced, you know, teams like Georgia, teams like Alabama. It's just we'll see how he does. I don't know. I think it'll be all only right. that, but the supporting cast around all those guys at South Carolina last year really wasn't that stellar either. So you kind of hope that they can develop some guys or get some other guys in the transfer portal to, you know, have him throw the ball to. Yeah, I would have to agree. And you know, I'm just, I'm not down on Dr. Thunder. Like, I, you know, we crushed him a lot last season, but, you know, mainly because he came in like a five to one Heisman winner and, you know, he just ended up losing his job. But, you know, when you really look at his numbers, it, he didn't really deserve to lose his job based on one bad half. And that it wasn't even really all that bad of a half. Like, 
Spencer Rattler don't play defense. You know, Texas puts up 38 points in the <laughs> Neither first half. Neither else on that team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I mean, Co- Oklahoma was what? Eric, didn't you tell me they were like second or third in the country in missed tackles? Nobody's tackling anybody! They were last, if I remember right, and this was not after the season. This was towards the tail end. I think it was maybe like going into the Bedlam game. They were either second or third most missed tackles in FBS and then obviously last in the Big 12. So if you just, you know, saying worst tackling team in the Big 12, like really should tell you everything. Yeah, exactly. A conference that plays no defense and they were the worst tackling team. So the fact that they gave up 38 points is not his fucking fault. So I don't know. I just, I'm not buying that he should have been benched and that Williams is the big savior. I'm not buying it. I don't know. I could debate you on whether or not he deserved to be benched or not, but I do agree that he had really, really high expectations that he didn't live up to, and I think that did play a factor into his benching um, and obviously ultimately his decision to transfer. And by not live up to, do you mean what exactly? Because they were undefeated when, you know, I mean, he went like what? 15 and two as a starter at Oklahoma. No, I'm talking about at the beginning of this year with all the Heisman hype and, you know, everything else. And, you know, he, like you said, he didn't play terrible. He played above average by all measures, but he still didn't play up to that level that, you know, warranted Heisman consideration. And I think that underachievement kind of cast a, a shadow on some of his performances and I think that's what largely played a part in his benching and then him transferring. Well in all reality he probably shouldn't have been a Heisman candidate anyway. I think that was a little I don't bit disagree with that. I, I think yeah, he was I think a he little probably bit just had, overhyped. I think he had some Oklahoma shine. Yeah. Being that, kind of being yeah. the recruit he was. Yeah and the, you know they it's like a given that Oklahoma's going to have a Heisman guy because, you know, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and it's like Jalen Hurts was in the Heisman race. So it's like he just kind of got that moniker put on him unfairly, you know. But to put a pin in the discussion, he's, I do agree, Eric, he's the biggest like single upgrade for a team in the SEC. But I'll uh, bring up some other guys in the second round and uh, any other notables. Timmy, I'm kicking it over to you for the ACC, man. What the fuck is going on in the ACC? Well, you should know that. Um, as far as transfer quarterback situations go, um, there isn't a whole terrible lot because um, most of the ACC is either bringing back their guy from last year or they had an entrenched replacement for somebody who's moving on. But the biggest one in the ACC this year is um, probably no surprise to anybody, but Pitt, you know, losing Kenny Pickett to the draft, leaving some pretty big shoes to fill. Um, They went out and brought in Keaton Slovis uh, from USC, and and that's going to be the biggest name and the biggest impact um, of anybody in the ACC, in my opinion. It doesn't really do a whole lot for me seeing them bring him in there because I don't really think he's that great of a quarterback. But by the same token, he's probably light years ahead of anybody else they had sitting there holding the clipboard last year. So, it you know, good on them for going out and at least getting a serviceable guy to come in. But he's not going to be anywhere close to Kenny Pickett level from last year. So they're going to have a pretty significant drop off in their quarterback play from last year to this year i i don't know that i mean kenny pickett really wasn't 
setting the world on fire really until this year. You know, he's well, always that's what I'm talking about. He's always been decent, but I mean, Slovis is. No. I mean, he's thrown 58 touchdowns and 24 picks in his career, 7,500 yards. <laughs> I mean, well, that's what I'm saying is, is if you look at Pitt over Kenny Pickett's career, like you said, up until this year, they've been fairly pedestrian. And, yeah, you know, Kenny Pickett tooled around with the idea of going in the draft at the end of last year and you know they have those scouting services that you know help you evaluate yourself and tell you you know what yeah, round the advisory you go board in. yeah yeah and you know everybody told him he's like look man if you come out now you're probably fourth fifth round guy you know it'd be in your best interest to come back and he did and you know look at him now he had a great year he led his team to an ACC championship, and now he's a potential top 10 draft pick. Um, so that's what I mean by there's going to be a significant drop-off. You know, Keaton Slovis is not going to come in this year and have the same type of senior season that Kenny Pickett did. I just do not see that happening at all. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, 297 attempts last year. He was banged up a little bit, completed 65% of his passes, seven yards an attempt, so 11 touchdowns, eight picks, not great. He kind of regressed, but I mean, he only played nine games. That's the big thing for him, though, is can, can he stay on the field? Because his freshman year at USC, he did really well and then got hurt in the bowl game. And then his sophomore year at USC, he was pretty good and then got hurt either in the last game of the year or the no, bowl game. No, he missed, he, he missed half the season. He only played in six games his sophomore year. Well, I'm talking about this past year. Oh, yeah. This past year, he played nine. Yeah, he's he's been hurt and missed time every single year. Now, when he's on there, he's fine. He, I think Timmy used the word serviceable. That's probably a pretty good description. Yeah. I mean, he's he he might not win you a ton of games. He's not going to go out there and lose you a bunch either. He's yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's good. He's capable. Um, yeah, he, he's not some savior, but he'll be. They could do a lot worse than him. It's just, are they going to get twelve games out of him? Is their their biggest question. Well, I got to believe the Pitt's offensive line probably a little better than USC's the last three years. <laughs> so, yeah, true. Debatable. So, what? <laughs> Timmy's not buying that either. No, they they lost a couple guys this year to draft and, and other things. So, they're kind of in a retooling year. And I would not expect to see them, you know, competing for division or conference championships again this year I, I just don't see that happening retooling i'll retool you <laughs> there's really no good teams in there it's kind of north carolina virginia tech miami Pitt, and we don't yeah, know who the fuck been is that gonna... way for the last three or four years so. yeah i mean that i don't know what to make of that side of the conference it's that acc preview will be interesting all right well anything else on slovis before we move on Nah. Yeah, his haircut's weak. <laughs> what? Well, there's plenty of that around. Uh, probably, you know, I'm sure Eric may bring up uh, Quinn Ewers later. Then uh, he has the worst hair in college football. I don't care. No, I would also, I would also like bad. to throw in an interesting tidbit that I have a uh, conspiracy theory that he chose Pitt because his uh, girlfriend is actually on the soccer team. Ooh, oh, it makes makes as much sense as anything else. Okay, so since we're done with the ACC, Eric, I'm going to kick it back to you. Talk to me about the Pac-12, the worst conference in football. The yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll talk about the school first. I wasn't going to, but I'm going to. I, I will, um, just because it'll be kind of quick because we've already talked about two of these three guys, uh, and that's at USC. Keaton Slovis transferred to Pitt. Uh, we talked about him this past season. The guy who started 
when Keaton Slovis did not, was Jackson Dart, who was a true freshman. When Lincoln Riley showed up, uh, Jackson Dart hit the transfer portal. He probably assumed that Caleb Williams was coming and wanted to get ahead of the game, but he is now at Old Miss. So he had a pretty good freshman season, 61%, 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, five picks. Uh, he finished with the 132 rating, and then he also got hurt. So those two guys, um, they're pretty similar in terms of, uh, you know, on a play-to-play basis, their stats, their com- their completion percentage was right in line. You know, touchdown to interception ratio is not great, and a similar number, you know, yards uh, as far as per attempt, very, very similar, almost identical quarterback rating. So they're pretty much the same guy. Uh, so they are on their way out, and then Caleb Williams, who we already talked about, is coming in. So. I'm curious to see, as far as Caleb Williams, if he is able to run the ball as effectively in the Pac-12 as he did in the Big 12. I suspect yes, but we'll, we will see. I'm curious to see how that goes. I mean, he had, he had five, 500 and some yards and six touchdowns, you know, running uh, from the quarterback position, is, which is probably a big reason he got the nod over Rattlers, because that that is not an element of Dr. Thunder's game. Yeah. The Pac-12 just sucks, man. I mean, that if you're a talented player, you should be going off in that conference. Well, they do suck, and I think that's probably going to work in his favor. I think he's probably going to have a pretty good year. Um, I don't know that USC necessarily is going to have the greatest year, but I think he's going to put up some big numbers in that conference. Yeah, well, according to Colin Cowherd, you know, who's a massive USC homer, uh, they had the greatest practice in the history of sports the other day. So. Okay, Colin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about that tip shit next week. Oh, yeah. And feel free uh, for our listeners to go check out that tweet of his because the comment section is fucking elite. <laughs> oh, yeah. Laser show. Such a, such a tool. All right. So anything else about the Pac-12 before we move uh, to the final one of round one here? They suck. That's the, yeah. Other than the Pac-12 sucks. No, that's the biggest uh, happening with the quarterback carousel in that conference. We sucked. All right. All right, I'm going to finish this out with the Big Ten. Now, this is kind of one of those sort of the ACC. There's really not a ton of like, you know, impactful guys that I would consider that join the Big Ten. But, I, you know, there are two that are, I guess, somewhat notable. The first being uh, Connor Basilak transfers from Missouri after two seasons and comes to Indiana. So taking over from Michael Penix, who... You know, well, the ghost of Michael Penix. I'm not sure really what happened to that guy, but the uh, artist formerly known as <laughs> yeah, yeah, the two and ten Indiana um, Hoosiers with Mike, the ghost of Michael Penix. But so Basilak transfers in to Indiana, but he comes with a 66 percent completion rating, 5,000 yards, 23 touchdowns to 17 picks, 131 rating. So it's an upgrade over what they had last year. But it's certainly not an upgrade over what, you know, the, the formerly Michael Penix, you know, what he was doing. So I. Yeah, it depends on which which Michael Penix are you replacing, 2020 or 2021? Right. If he's replacing 2021, then yes, it's a massive upgrade. Yeah, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's Indiana. I don't think they're going to come back and be a big factor this year. I would agree. Yeah. But that's really all I've got to say about them. So we're going to take a real quick break and we will be right back. 
Hey guys, March Madness is in full swing, so join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer some simple questions. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym bet five dollars on any college hoops team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do if they win you win with the promo code tppn this week at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older restrictions apply see our show notes for the details all right so now that we're back we're going to move into round two of the quarterback carousel and eric i'm going to kick it to you first again we're going to hit the big 12 uh, I am looking at a school that we were going to talk about last week and elected not to, and that is the Longhorns of Texas. Longhorn Nation, we're back! Yeah, they were not back. Um, and, and a big reason they were not back was inconsistent quarterback play. They they kind of went back and forth a couple times between Hudson Card, who started the opener, and I want to say started the, maybe the first two or three games, and then Casey Thompson, who played pretty well. But Casey Thompson, who has moved on to Nebraska, and I think we probably will be talking about him later. So uh, he's he's out. Um, and maybe the one of the more notable transfers, even though he has not actually attempted a college pass, uh, is a young man with a bad haircut named Quinn Ewers, who is a uh, he's kind of a Texas high school football legend, depending on which recruiting service you look at among the or just the uh, highest rated quarterback recruit ever uh, to come out elite quarterback recruit who was at Ohio State and didn't play. And there, I think there's some other stuff behind the scenes with he has a really uh, specific kind of unique NIL arrangement that, as I understand it, maybe included some provisions about playing time that he didn't think he was going to get at Ohio State. So he uh, he's the one who reclassified and basically left high school a year early to enroll at Ohio State. So he would be eligible for that NIL deal. And I'm not going to get into the details of that, even though I found it kind of interesting. But well, yeah, because I think Texas, it's not like California. Like you can, if you might, if you have an NIL deal in California, yes, you can go ahead and collect that money while you're still in high school. Whereas Texas, Texas is not that yeah, way. So he, um, he, he had an offer for an NIL deal and then he found out that, you know, if he took it, he would be ineligible to play high school football. And he's like, well, if I can't play high school football, I may as well play college football. So shortly before the, the season opened, he reclassified and went to Ohio state because it really, the, the deal I I think was almost impossible for him to pass up for a number of reasons that I won't get into now, but it was a good arrangement for him, but apparently it didn't, you know, and at the time you got to think this is before the season. No one knew what they had in CJ Stroud. You know, he, he hadn't played either. So went to Ohio state, didn't really work out how he wanted. So now he's back at Texas and he is going to see if he can get them back. But there's not a lot, I mean, not anything uh, statistics wise to talk about as far as his numbers, other than he is expected to be very, very good eventually, whether that's this year or next or the year after. But he is, he's, he's a guy who's going to have a lot of eyes on him, probably from the word go. I don't know that I would completely count out Hudson Card. I wouldn't either. Uh, he, I mean, he had some good games, but you know, we'll see. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian is going to know a lot more about what he needs from the quarterback position and where he's going to get it than I do. But yeah, I wouldn't rule out Hudson Card, but I, th- I think the expectation is that Quinn Ewers is going to be the starter when they open up. I'd honestly be surprised if Hudson Card doesn't at least get a look right out of the gate, but like you say, that, that kid's supposedly uber talented. So ultimately his leash will be pretty short regardless. So yeah, 
yeah, in, in in spite of his absurd haircut, he apparently is very, very good. <laughs> it is absurd. Bring him back the the mullet, the bleach blonde mullet. Oh, oh it's, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It's like it. I, I you know I was going to get on a tangent about Minnesota high school hockey, but I'll I'll save you guys. The- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that'll be an off air conversation. Yeah, as it relates to hair. All right. So we got that done. Uh, so round two in the SEC. I kind of went back and forth here on the most impactful transfer, but to me, it's got. I want to touch more on the Texas A&M situation because I, I thought about talking about Jaden Daniels, you know, transferring from Arizona State to LSU, but I, I kind of feel like we'll cover him as the last notable guy. But because we already talked about Jackson Dart, uh, but the Texas A&M situation is interesting, man, because uh, Max Johnson, who is the son of Brad Johnson, a Super Bowl winning quarterback with the Bucks, for anyone who didn't know that, he's a lefty and he's coming over from LSU. Orgeron gets fired. Max Johnson transfers, goes to Texas A&M. And Johnson's numbers are actually quite a bit better than I thought they would be because I don't, I don't remember anything really about him setting the world on fire. And the the one thing, the one play that I keep going back to with Max Johnson is in the UCLA game when he threw that ball while he was like looking backwards. Oh, behind his head. Yeah. (laughs) So that was ridiculous. Yeah. That, that, that's the most notable Max Johnson play I can think of. But if you look at his numbers, it's really not all that bad. His, his accuracy, there's still some to be desired, you know, 59% completion. You must think I'm dumb. Quit, quit fucking putting lipstick on a pig. Come on. Stop it. All right. So he <laughs> threw for 3,884 yards, almost eight yards in attempt, 35 touchdowns to seven picks, 141 rating. To me, that's got to be an upgrade over what Texas A&M had last year. And I'm not even going to talk about what they had last year because it stunk outside of the one game that Zach Calzada had against Alabama. So on top of having Max Johnson there, they've still got Haynes King, who was the, he's the incumbent. You know, he was the starter last year and got hurt in the Colorado game, second game of the season. So, and Calzada took over. So he's still there. And also they've got a five-star true freshman named Connor Weigman who's coming in. He's on campus. So really interesting situation. You would think based on experience that Max Johnson will get the nod, but you know, supposedly the greatest recruiting class in the history of football is in. And so I think Connor Wagman was the third or fourth ranked QB in the country. I don't know. Yeah, he was anywhere from two to four, depending on where he looked. But yeah, yeah, he's up yeah. there. So, I mean, he's uber talented as well. But I, I think Max Johnson, like I said, probably gets the nod based on experience. You know, Jimbo's not really known for throwing true freshman out there at Texas A&M when he's got experienced guys. I mean, I, I'd i be shocked if they throw in a true freshman with Max Johnson on campus. I mean, I don't think he would have transferred there if he didn't think he could start. So, yeah, we, and we talked about that, I think in a previous episode where, oh, you know, God is, is Max Johnson going to start? I was like, well, I don't, you know, and we kind of agreed that I don't think any of us thought he transferred there to be the backup. Right, but they are still pretty high on Haynes King. So, I, so yeah, that'll be interesting to see. But, uh, all right, so moving on back to the ACC. Tim, you got anything else on the ACC? Anybody else interested? Um, yeah, the only other interesting uh, situation to talk about in the ACC uh, resides with my boys in Blacksburg. Oh, man, I was hoping you would talk about this because don't they have two transfer QBs that are battling for the job? Yeah, so... 
when they had their whole coaching, you know, hire, you know, obviously there's a lot of turmoil that happens with the roster. And uh, one of the departures was their starting quarterback from last year, Braxton Burmeester. Um, he uh, went into the portal. Um, so they obviously had to fill that void. Um, so the staff went out and, uh, you know, put some flyers on the wall and they ended up bringing in a couple of guys, one of them being Grant Wells, um, who was the starting quarterback at Marshall. Actually had some pretty decent numbers last year. You know, he threw for like 3,500 yards, 66% completion percentage. His only knock is that, you know, his touchdown to interception ratio was basically one, you know, 16 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So he's got a little bit of, you know, work to do in that Gotta regard. Clean that up. Yeah. But I mean, as far as the, the type of guy and the type of quarterback that he is, I think he, he could be successful coming in there. Um, you know, he's a pro style, you know, pocket passer type guy, which seems to fit the offensive philosophy that they're going to have. But as you mentioned, one of the other guys they brought in was one of the quarterbacks from the South Carolina quarterback room in Jason Brown. Obviously, we know that he didn't really have a whole lot of success last year um, in the limited action that he had. Ugh, yeah, I'm looking at it. Sixty percent completion, or no, fifty-five percent completion, seven hundred twenty-one yards, eight touchdowns to six picks. Mm. Yeah, and and I see this as more of of a depth fill. I think you know as the spring progresses and the depth chart fills out, you know Grant Wells is probably going to win that job because outside of Jason Brown, he's competing against a couple of guys that were already on the roster and Taj Bullock and Connor Blumrick. And neither of those guys are the answer at quarterback and the coaching staff knows that. So unless he comes out and just fumbles all over himself in the spring, I think this is a lock for him. And, you know, we'll see well, what kind of well, Brown's got to be Brown's got to be a depth guy because their backup, their, their primary backup from last season transferred as well. Right. Well, not there. I, I wouldn't Blumrick started. I wouldn't call him their primary. Blumrick started their bowl they, game. They, they did lose uh, another depth quarterback to the transfer portal, but. Blumrick was kind of their change of pace guy. You know, he's basically like a tight end who would play quarterback. He couldn't throw the ball to save his life, but he could run quarterback power all day long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I I remember watching parts of that bowl game. I, I agree. No, he could not throw the ball. Yeah. So that's what I mean. He's, he, he doesn't really have a whole lot of competition to go up against. So it, it should be a pretty you know easy job for him to win. But it, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. All right, I'm setting the over-under for Virginia Tech win total this year at six and a half. Who's taking the over? Uh, would, would they be someone that you would think would know anything? Uh, I would. <laughs> of course you would. Eric, course, you going over Of course over I under? would. Uh, I, w- I would need 10 seconds to look at their schedule and see what their non-conference games are. <laughs> it's not very difficult. It's close. All right, we'll put that in at the end of the show. All right, so that covers the ACC, and uh, we may – you know, throw in so many other notables there. But uh, Eric, okay, round two of the Pac-12, give it to me. Uh, there's not, we talked about Jaden Daniels leaving Arizona State, um, but I don't, they were kind of a mess last year and it doesn't look like it's going to be much better this season. The only other thing that I found kind of notable was uh, Oregon did a little bit of the old uh, Waxahachie swap with Auburn, uh, which I didn't realize until I was looking at this. But uh, we've talked about Bo Nix transferring from Auburn. He's, he's going up to Oregon. Uh, 61%, 2,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, three picks. Uh, he added 280 rushing yards and four touchdowns, and he had a quarterback rating of 130 playing in the SEC West. 
and he's going up to Oregon where presumably he will be the starter because Anthony Brown uh, has run up on eligibility. And Robbie Ashford, who was an Oregon backup, has actually transferred to Auburn. He didn't play at all last year. He was, I believe, a true freshman, but he is he is now on the Plains. So uh, I'm curious to see what Bo Nix does in the Pac-12 against those defenses. Um, be quite a drastic change from playing, you know, Auburn's schedule last year. If you guys don't remember, I'm sure Jason does, but they it was brutal. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm tr- trying to it had a road game at Penn State on top of yeah, you know, an SEC Penn State on the road. Georgia, Alabama, I mean, yeah, on and on and yeah. on. Uh, he's, I think he, I'd be curious to see like the best defense he plays against this year, uh, other than I guess Georgia in the opener, how that compares to the defenses he played last year. Like the, the best Pac-12 defense that he's going to play this year would probably be like seventh best on their 21, 2021 schedule. Like the defenses he played against last year were absurd. But and he's not great by any stretch. He's more fun than good to me. Like he's fine, but he's he is a lot of fun to watch. You know, moving around back there, and he does make some stuff happen. But uh, he can be a little erratic and maybe tries to do too much. But I think he'll probably do well in the Pac-12. I would agree, and there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, his mo has always been Bo Nix on the road is not good. Bo Nix at home is really good. You know, I think it's going to be a little bit less of a factor in the Pac-12 because, you know, crowds out there just aren't rabid like they are in the SEC. You know, I mean, you go to Stanford, the stands are half full. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah. You might have the best. time you might not even realize you're on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, Oregon does travel pretty well. Their fans travel well over there. They're probably the most rabid fan base in the Pac-12. So I think that's an advantage for him. You know, because like I say, there's just no really hostile environments that you're going to be going to. But uh, a second part of that, it, it was a strange marriage to me at first. I didn't really understand why the fuck would Bo Nix transfer all the way to Oregon. Oregon's offensive coordinator was the offensive coordinator at Auburn when Bo Nix was a freshman. Yeah, so there's some familiarity with what he's going to be right. doing. So he's coming into a system with an OC that he understands, and he was actually really effective as a freshman Again, playing in the SEC West. But since uh, I don't think we've really got anything else about the Pac-12 because, well, they suck. We suck. Uh, back to the Big Ten really quick. The only other notable transfer in the Big Ten would be uh, a guy that Eric mentioned earlier, uh, Casey Thompson, coming over from Texas. Now, his numbers are not spectacular, but they're not god-awful either. And, I mean, 63% completion, 2,100 yards. Eight yards in attempt, 24 touchdowns to nine picks, 154 rating. So I think that's an upgrade over Adrian Martinez, but he's not what I would call an elite quarterback. He's probably capable, but I think for him, like he's stepping into a much more difficult situation at Nebraska than at Texas. Because yes, while Texas went five and seven last year, they still played weaker teams than what Nebraska plays week in, week out. I mean, by all accounts, Nebraska had the toughest schedule in the country last year. <laughs> so, yeah, I think they're right there with Auburn. I honestly, if if it, after the after the regular season, because both teams were bowl ineligible, if you had matched up Nebraska and Texas, I would have I would have taken Nebraska. I think they were the better team, you know, despite the the worst record. So, I mean, that that's really the only other notable transfer into the Big Ten is Casey Thompson to Nebraska. And like I said, I think he's 
I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he surprises, maybe he improves and they get better. I hope so. I wouldn't mind seeing Nebraska be decent, but I think he's stepping into a much tougher situation with probably not as much talent out wide. So I don't know. No, not as much talent out wide, but I think he'll be solid for them because he, you know, well, like you said, you know, his numbers are not spectacular by any stretch, but he is, he is much less likely to kind of force the negative play like Nebraska has dealt with at the quarterback position the last couple of years. He, he's a little more yeah. steady. So, yeah. um, you know, higher floor, certainly it, it, for, for them and him, it might not be about how high is the ceiling. It's how high is the floor. Well, the interesting part about it to me is that for the last two seasons, Adrian Martinez has been Nebraska's leading rusher. And Casey Thompson is not a runner. <laughs> he's, he's not a runner compared to Adrian Martinez. So Nebraska is going to have to find a running game. No, but he's all right. I mean, he had, he had 250 yards rushing last year. I mean, he can, he can make some plays with his, he, you know, he's not Mike Vick, but he, he's maybe more um, like a Bo Nix or a Stetson Bennett where you know, you turn a sack into an eight yard gain with your feet, you know, and those plays, those plays over the course of a game matter. So, and that's something that Adrian will, or Adrian uh, Martinez did do well, but, and I think Casey Thompson probably can as well. All right. So that's the two rounds of transfer quarterbacks that we think are, you know, most notable. Uh, Eric, I'm going to start with you. Give me uh, out of the like homeless quarterbacks who are still in the portal and any other honorable mentions, give me, you know, your one or two guys who you think are, I guess, somewhat notable. Well, I think the most notable one is JT Daniels leaving Georgia. So he cannot actually transfer until he graduates because he's already transferred once, right? Um, so he can only transfer as a graduate transfer. So he has to graduate in May to do that. Uh, and he hasn't decided where he's going. Um, he's Some people uh, think maybe Missouri. Some said, uh, I think I read somewhere that he either took a visit or was going to take a visit to Oregon state, you know, and now as far as name, he's probably the biggest name out there left who, who hasn't found a spot, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he will, but who knows how, how he'll do once he gets there. He's, he kind of so far hasn't matched the hype he's had coming out of high school or coming to Georgia. Yeah. I think he's the only one of the quarterbacks that, uh, declared to the transfer portal that hasn't found a home yet. Uh, well, there's one other one that I know of, and that's Emory yeah. Jones from Florida, and he just went in the other day. Yep, he still has after two spring practices, he ejected. So yeah, I think, and we talked about spring practice and how that was going to affect the portal, and it, it it looks, I mean, just my opinion, but it looks like he maybe saw some some writing on the wall as far as what the fall is going to look like once spring ball started. Yeah, the Richardson kid, I mean, even he's talked about going into the portal, but by all accounts, Anthony Richardson is probably going to be the starter. They did get a transfer from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, came one of their in backups, there. Uh, the yep, Miller kid. Got one, yep, got one of their backups. So, I mean, they're, Florida's a dumpster fire right now. They, they've got they got some work to do. Yeah, their they, got, they got some is, stuff to sort out, but I think yeah. I think Napier will get it done. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Uh, all right, so Timmy, what do you got for uh, other notable transfers? Um, there was one that I was keeping an eye on mainly because uh, the Hokies were in the mix at the beginning of the the churn, but uh, there was a guy by the name of Cameron Ward who played uh, Incarnate uh, Word his first yeah. couple of seasons. Yeah, at Incarnate Ward, 
Um, and he ended up transferring uh, to Washington State. Um, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. But uh, he's definitely one of those kids that was under the radar, but has a lot of talent. And I think he can be really impactful, especially playing in the Pac-12. Yeah, he, he was one of my honorable mentions as well, because he's coming from a, a small FCS school in Texas to a pass-happy offense. And I thought maybe he's worth keeping an eye on because he might turn into you know something approaching another Bailey Zappi because it's really the same kind of situation yep. coming him coming from Houston Baptist and going to Western Kentucky and just chucking the ball everywhere all over the field. Fucking Bailey Zappi, <laughs> still pissed about that. You're still salty about the award show. That's, Good God, yes. man. That's that's two times that that guy's name's been mentioned on this podcast. That's got to be a world record. Still don't know who the foop yeah, that guy is. Even though I won that uh, that particular contest, I still think it was rigged. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> All right. So moving on to uh, what I would say our last notable guy, because we did mention Emory Jones being in the portal and not finding a school yet. A uh, guy I mentioned earlier, Jaden Daniels uh, from LSU. So he leaves Arizona State, and it's a nasty situation. Like. There was a video that came out in the locker room. All the players were like going through his locker room and throwing his shit and saying how he was a terrible teammate. And it was just a nasty situation. So I don't know how much stock I put into that. I think he just probably wanted to go somewhere where he felt like he could, you know, develop for the NFL. You know, Brian Kelly has put guys in the NFL. LSU has been an NFL factory for a while. So, Or maybe he wanted to dance with Brian Kelly. Well, what's funny about that is is he's leaving Arizona State, which and we've talked about how much of a shit show they are. His mother is like a central figure in that whole recruiting violation saga. Is she yeah. really? Yeah. So when I don't know oh, how much oh do tell I don't know how much you guys or maybe even any listeners know about that, but you know the NCAA had some pretty strict COVID restrictions as far as what schools were able to do with recruits during the pandemic. So this is a spring and summer of 2020. Yeah. They were sneaking kids in the back door. Yeah. Right. So recruits were, I mean, you know, any high school kid can go tour a college basically whenever they want, but the, the football staff cannot set up those visits. They can't do official visits. They can't fly a kid in you know, give them the tour, do this, so do that. So Jaden Daniels' mom was driving a tour right. bus? Right, so when all this, when all this broke, some, some anonymous person on the Arizona State staff sent, like, all the receipts, like a three-inch stack of screenshots and emails and all this stuff. And Jaden Daniels' mother, her credit card was the one that was used to secure all these flights for high school kids flying into Tempe. And then, right, and then there's, oh, well, there's, there's this picture of Herm and some high school kid in the weight room looking around. And then, you know, they're showing like the school brought all these high school recruits in. So some of it's been pawned off on assistant coaches who have either been fired or put on leave or resigned. But uh, yeah, his, his mom is like 100% in the thick of, of that whole mess. And now, now he's chucking dudes. Scandalous. What the hell? What? Yeah, well, I don't blame him. That probably played a considerable factor in his decision to get the right. fuck out of there. That's oh man, yeah, that I did not know. I did not know that about him. But Mom, Mama Dukes was like, "You got to get up on yeah. out of here. The heat is yeah. coming." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, she knows exactly how bad it is, right? Oh yeah. So, but just 
looking at the kids' ability, I mean, now I remember before last season there was like some mumblings about like Heisman for this kid. Oh no, he was yeah, he was a dark horse because they were supposed to be really really good. Yeah, their so, their Vegas over under was like nine and a half or ten. Yeah, and they turned out to be a dumpster fire. But right. look, looking at just his numbers, I mean, in his career, he's thrown for 6,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, 13 picks. And to me, he makes their QB situation really interesting because, I mean, the incumbent would be Miles Brennan, who has just been injury-plagued. I mean, he just he hasn't finished a full season yet. So he'll be battling with Miles Brennan for the job and also a kid named Walker Howard who's a freshman. He'll be in the mix. So three-way competition, but by all accounts, Jaden Daniels is the expected starter at LSU. So gives Brian Kelly a, you know, kind of a mobile, you know, quarterback. That I guess the most comparable thing to him that Brian Kelly probably had at Notre Dame was like Everett Golson. You remember that kid that went to the national championship with him? Yeah, or uh, Ian Book was, he was a pretty, oh, well, yeah, pretty right. well. Too. Yeah, there you go. So Ian Book, another guy. Yeah, so got a mobile guy, can run a little bit, can sling it around. So I don't know. Should be uh, interesting to watch that battle. And like I say, I think it'll be a similar situation with some other schools like like Emory Jones, where if Daniels kind of takes over and wins the job, you may see Brennan in the transfer portal pretty quick. Yeah. So Well, they they still have the, um, the Nussmeyer kid too, right? Yeah, he's still there, Garrett Nussmeyer. So... He would be number three on the list behind Brennan. Yeah. So, so they might they might be another school that has two guys transferred at the end of the year too. Yeah, maybe so. All right. Well, God, man, this. I mean, am I just crazy to go out on a limb here and say that this is like a pain in the ass? Like, I don't. I think there should be like a like a free agency period in the NFL. Like, can we have just a transfer period where it's like you know you get two months out of the year to transfer? Well. I definitely think they need to tighten the ropes on the dates and everything else, but it's also hard to rein that shit in when different schools have different dates for enrollment and all yeah, that that's, other shit. That's, so. I think that's the real, the biggest obstacle is it has to be tied to academics somehow because you, you can't, you have to complete a semester. Um, yeah. I mean, and, there's a lot and of not every, Yeah. And how that works. It's, I think they could do better than just wild, wild west. But, yeah, that's um, what it is right I think now. There's by a way all that, accounts. <laughs> like, I think there's a way that you could shape it to, you know, a guy transfers in good faith pending, you know, his academics, making sure that he meets all of the entrance criteria. And for other, you know, all intents and purposes, he's off limits to all other teams. You know, and then if something happens, then, you know, he, he can go back in. But I don't know. There's there's definitely a better way to skin this cat. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot that needs to be changed. But yeah, there, there is. But I I mean I couldn't tell you what. Yeah, you know, I know you can do. You could do a period uh, after spring practice because that's when the the spring semester roughly will end. And then I think the tricky part is, you know, there, there's a, maybe a wide variance in when schools start the spring semester in January, whether it's like you know the fourth or the eighteenth or. You know, so so tying a period towards the end of the regular season or bowl season and then getting a guy transferred in, enrolled in time for the semester to start, I think is maybe a big challenge for them. Yeah, I wish it was much tighter. Like, I mean, just make it in the summer, like in June, the entire month of June, you can transfer. I mean, what's wrong with that? I yeah, don't- coaches, coaches wouldn't go for that. 
No. I mean, of course not, because they can't fill their roster on a whim, and you know, then they wouldn't be able to massively tamper with everyone's well, I, quarterbacks. Yeah, their, their big pushback would be, well, you know, if a guy's going to transfer, why do I have to wait until the summer when I could have had him for spring ball? Well, we're going to get into later on down the line here in a few weeks, we're going to get into some things that have changed the game and <laughs> probably need to change again. So we've got a series coming up where we've got some good guests coming on about, uh, and specifically one about NIL that I find, I think it'll be a really, really interesting bunch of info for us mainly because I mean, like there's a lot of things we don't know. I'm not a lawyer, so I can't really speak to NIL deals and how that works and what's against the rules and what's not. So that'll be something interesting that we can talk about later on. But before we do all that, Eric, what is on the docket for next week? Uh, next week, we are shifting back to football adjacent. Woo! So, yeah, we've, we've stayed with on-field stuff for, I think, almost a month now. We did, uh, we did two fall from grace. We did this. We did uh, you know the quarterback carousel. Uh, so we're going back to the uh, a little more lighthearted next week. We are doing best and worst Twitter follows. Uh, so we're going to have categories for that. We're going to, you know, what coaches? Uh, spoiler alert, Lane Kiffin. You know, any announcers or analysts, uh, writers, um, whether it's, you know, this person is a, a fun person to follow because they have, you know, really interesting content on their Twitter feed, like a Kiffin or a Leech or whoever. Um, or even just the, the people who you find really, really informative. And, and that's going to be more of the analysts and writers than the coaches, obviously. But, um, or the ones yeah, you find a, really cringe, like Colin Cowherd, you know? Yes. Or Danny yeah, Cannell. Dan yep. Oh, God, yeah. Cannell. Yeah. Timmy's, <laughs> Timmy's boy Cannell is, I'm sure, going to make an appearance on that one. But oh, no, geez. if you're, uh, if you're a college football fan, uh, and you use Twitter, I, I think we can come up with uh, you know ten or twelve like must follow accounts that uh, that a college football fan would would enjoy. So we're going to talk mm. about them next week. Interesting that I can't wait to see the categories. That'll be fun times there. Well, oh I, man, do we want to do categories? I was you know best and worst. Oh okay. Well yeah, we can we'll figure it out. I yeah, thought you we'll, said we'll, we'll come, come up with something, categories. but that will be the that will be the general concept of the show next week. All right. Well, and then after that, um, we're going to kind of toe the line between football and football adjacent because that is when we are starting the coaching deep dives. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, and that's you know some of those dates may change. We'll we'll just be mixing in different stuff depending on when some of our guests that we've got scheduled can actually come on. So uh, more to come. Should be a lot of good info coming this off season. I'm super pumped about it. But. College football ain't too far away. We've got spring games already going on. Shit, like some of the schools are already done. Like Missouri's spring game was like three days ago. They're done. So I don't know. Should we we'll uh, probably have a post spring roundup mixed in somewhere in there. So yeah, I think we're 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 expecting to have a rash of transfers that maybe that will just take up a whole episode uh, similar to this. Like who who? Let's get a handle on who's leaving and who's going and who's coming. Yeah, there'll be a lot of breaking news, I'm sure. So, all right. Well, until then, you guys can find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram. We are at South End Zone Pod. We are available on all major platforms. Go give us a listen and please hit those five stars. If you like the show, it helps out the show a lot. Leave us a review. 
And uh, we'll be back with you next week with some best and worst Twitter follows. Man, I can't wait for that show. So, all right. So, until then. Thank you very much. Have a great day.